Welcome to Streaming Thoughts, where we stream our thoughts on movies, TV, and all things nerdy. My name is Nathan. And I'm Christina. And welcome to our podcast. Wait, Christina? Yep, that's me. What happened to Dan? Beats me. I heard something about fawning over, like, orcs and elves and, uh, you know, who knows what else with Lord of the Rings, and sorry, you got me instead. Today we have a guest co-host... Christina from Under the Moonlight replacing Dan because he has been too busy with his new edition of Lord of the Rings and has not caught up on Cobra Kai. That's a shame because I gotta say, Cobra Kai is really awesome. So that's the topic of today's episode, Cobra Kai. They just released season three and they actually released it a little bit early this year. Which is awesome because I was having a hard enough time watching the cliffhanger from season two. It's really awesome that they released season three early because the cliffhanger that they left us with after season two was like come on guys you can't end it there yeah the all-out school bra and turning the different karate dojos into roving school gangs is kind of a little bit of a surprising twist for season two well at the same time, it all makes sense, though, because, I mean, I just kind of rewatched season one and season two, you know, over the weekend, and it's like they're building up to something bigger, and it's interesting because you have Johnny and you have Daniel, and they're both going on these character arcs, and at the beginning, Johnny thinks that he's kind of at the bottom of the pits, and Daniel thinks he's at the top of the pits, but they're both kind of in the middle. I like the fact that you bring that up as, I kind of wanted to ask your opinion on this. The show has main characters that drive the plot forward, but does the show really have a good guy? Absolutely not. There are no good guys in Cobra Kai, and I just gotta say that it's actually what makes it really good, because even as you introduce Kreese at the end of season one, right? And you're like, oh my god, this guy is a total bad news. And then in season two, you think, oh, maybe he's just kind of down on his luck. But at the same time, you can see him manipulating these children. You can see him just kind of like working behind these scenes as this criminal mastermind type, but he's not really a criminal. And then in season three, it expands upon that because he's all like, oh, I'm a big war veteran. You have to listen to me. Even though the people who've like known him and been manipulated by him are like, no, no, let's let's not listen to him. But I do like how even though he's kind of like a bad guy and he's kind of presenting himself as a villain, he still has like a really strong character arc and they just dig deeper and deeper into that. Yeah, that's something that we often talk about on this podcast, right? Where anytime we look at a movie or TV show, we look at the villain and say, does this villain have character? Does this villain have story to them? Because that is what makes the difference in our opinion of a really good, strong villain versus a weak, ineffectual villain. Oh, absolutely. And I and I think that pretty much all the characters in Cobra Kai, you could say, are their own villain and their own hero. I mean, you could pick apart any character and follow their heroic journey or you can follow their descent into villainy yeah and it's one of the interesting things right because in season one one of the characters has the hair lip that he gets harassed for and that's what drives him to join cobra kai and as he becomes tougher stronger more fixated on violence as the solution he becomes a bully in and of himself jump forward to season three he finally gets a chance to confront these bullies yep and his response is shocking from what you would have seen in season one but the journey to get that point is completely believable that he has 
descended this far. And the thing I like is that you can pick apart that journey for each character in the show. I mean, you can look at Miguel and he's kind of seen as like, you know, a main character. He starts out, he's the one who convinces Johnny to open up the dojo in the first place. He's Johnny's first student. But their character arcs play off of each other you know especially in season three when miguel is you know injured and now as he's recuperating he wouldn't have that relationship with johnny in season three had he not pushed him to open up the dojo to begin with in season one i definitely see that and really consider any character to be a quote-unquote good guy it is probably miguel honestly because he pushed everyone else to move forward into the positions that they are and he sees the negative effect that's been happening and he's looking for that journey that redemption he wants to save his old friends he wants to make his friends amend their bridges and get over their troubles and their confrontations with each other yeah absolutely i think if any character were to be a purely good guy in this show it really would be miguel i mean even daniel who presents himself as a good guy is kind of a jerk i mean one thing i really like about the show is that it shows not only what the characters are doing now but it includes a lot of stuff that happened in the original karate kid movies it doesn't you know just kind of show flashbacks to the movies and go oh yeah if you've seen the movies whatever it actually pulls in relevant flashbacks from the movies and how they portray to the modern day but what i like is that it shows both johnny and daniel going on a shared character arc you know you see them at the beginning and they're both this is what they're doing in their you know ordinary life johnny's kind of a loser and daniel i mean he thinks he has everything but they're both still missing something and the quest that they're going on is to find out what they're missing. Yeah, that's a interesting take too, if you think about it, because very few shows take what functionally was a predominantly unredeemable bad guy, a bully that wasn't given any real backstory other than he was this arrogant jerk back when he was fighting Danny and bullying Danny back in high school. And then they give motivation and turn it around. And from his perspective, Danny was the bully. And they do it in such a way that it's believable, right? And that's actually one of the things I really like about it is that they do a good job of giving Johnny's perspective. You kind of start with him as the main character and you think okay he's gonna be the main character so you give his perspective of oh yeah danny was really this bully to him and such and they do it in such a good way that you believe it but then you turn around and you watch these scenes from daniel's point of view and you go through and you watch the original movies and you're like yeah johnny was totally the bully but they're both tennessee <laughs> now one of the things i've been finding interesting with the way that Cobra Kai, the different seasons played out. The first season tied in heavily with the original Karate Kid. Absolutely. The second season tied in heavily with the second Karate Kid movie. And the third season ties in heavily with the third Karate Kid movie where he gets to go to Japan. And oh my god, that was the episode I was like just re-watching was him in Japan. And now, okay... I've been to Japan, and I used to live there and teach English there. And so, I don't know, I'm more critical of shows when they go to Japan because there are a lot of times that shows are like, oh yeah, we're totally going to take this episode and it's going to be in Japan. And you're watching it, you're like, I I'm sorry, what, what part about Japan were you actually in? Like, 
Where were you at? I mean, mind you, I've never been in one of the big cities. I mean, unless you count riding on a Shinkansen, but doesn't count because it goes by so fast you can't really see anything. But I lived in a really, really small city and a less small city, which, you know, even though they're larger than where I've lived in the U.S., they're considered really small cities by Asian standards. But my experience with Japan has made me very critical on shows that take place in Japan. And I have to say, even though I think Daniel's like a total Japanophile and is like way, way obsessed with Japanese culture and like not quite the worst possible way, but at the same time, not the not worst possible way, at least I can believe that the scenes that went to Japan were actually, like, taking place in Japan, and I feel like the setting is there. Again, I agree. I mean, I've been to some of the bigger cities in Japan than you have. Like, I once stayed in a hotel room that was at the top of a skyscraper in Tokyo, and I remember looking out the window of this really tall building, and for the first time ever, saw a city that extended all the way to the horizon. That's a big city in Japan. And so when she says small cities in Japan, she just means not that big. Exactly. <laughs> and I do agree. I haven't looked into the production of this, so I don't know if they actually visited Japan or set a Japan, you know, soundstage or something like that. But they did do a fairly good job of capturing Japan. I know a lot of times when you see in movies like Endgame, when supposedly... Black Widow is picking up Hawkeye in Japan. It looked it more like totally not Japan. It looked uh, more like he was in Hong Kong. <laughs> he probably was. I don't know. I don't know where that was filmed at, but that that's definitely one of those examples where I watch it and I'm like, are you sure they're in Japan? Cause um that doesn't look like the same Japan I was in. Another really, really big one was the TV show Alias. They had an episode that took place in Japan there, and that was like not Japan at all. At <laughs> all. Everything else about the show is awesome, but anyway. So boomeranging it back, yeah, they did do a good job of capturing both the modern aspects of Japan and the rural parts of Japan that do still exist. And you can find these beautiful green areas, these beautiful temples and ancient Absolutely. aspects. And that was one of my favorite things about going to Japan was going to some of the different shrines and some of the different temples and not the ones that were visited by a lot of people. There'd be times where you could just drive along the countryside and you would see like, first you would see the Tori Gate and you would see like this little shrine or you would see the little temple and you would just pull over to the side of the road, stop and go take a look. And they were like some of the most peaceful places ever. And so I think episodes where they do go to Japan, it does capture a lot of that modernization of Japan, but it also also captures a lot of that, you know, traditional beauty that if you're, I don't know, interested in martial arts or interested in Asia, it's a lot of that beauty that you're also really interested in. Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit convenient that this person that he knew from when he was a kid in Japan is basically his first girlfriend. Well, maybe not his first girlfriend. I don't know. Did they ever actually hook up in the first movie? I don't remember. I don't remember either. It's been so long since I've watched the original movies. I kind of, as a girl, I got really annoyed with them because I'm like, ooh, yay, a boy in karate. What else do we need? Because, like, always boys in karate or always boys in martial arts. So as soon as the next Karate Kid came out, that was the only one I watched. That is an interesting thing to bring up. And, yeah, I was going to talk about the convenience of this person he knew back when he was in Japan. Oh, no. No, that episode was totally convenient. Sorry, because he goes to Japan and it's like, oh, I have to save the day with my car company. But he's like in Tokyo for whatever reason. And they're like, oh, yeah, you have to just follow the person who's speaking to you. So he's like, of course, I'm going to go to Okinawa. 
And then he just happens to run into his old girlfriend girl that he met in Okinawa. Of course he does. I mean, one of the things I actually really like about it is all the callbacks to the characters from the movies. Something that you can watch for. Yeah, and if he can forgive the guy that was literally trying to kill him in Japan that quickly, it's really time for him to get over his feud with Johnny. I mean, seriously. No kidding. Well, I guess I was talking about some of the callbacks to, you know, like Johnny's friends that he hung out with in the original movies, like his little gang of people. They come to meet those other characters again in season one. You know, you have Kreese who comes back. When he goes to Japan, almost every character he met in Japan is like making an appearance on the show. Another character that they mention in season one, but they bring back in season three is Allie. So it's actually kind of fun to watch the show to see who else from the movies are they going to bring back. So that kind of wants me to jump on to the next point that I want to talk about is you mentioned the next Karate Kid. That was kind of a soft reboot of the show. And I so wish they had done more because I, I didn't actually look at the dates of when that movie came out. From my memory, I want to say it came out around the same time I first started learning martial arts. The next Karate Kid came out in 1994. Oh, okay. So it came out three years before I started martial arts. I started in 1997, and I think this actually gives me a bit of a different perspective on this show than Nathan here, because he didn't actually start learning martial arts till an adult. <laughs> but as a high schooler, this is actually something that I, I find really interesting about the show. Okay, when I was watching season three... All the stuff that the kids are doing to each other. Because like you said, they basically started these little martial arts gangs from the different schools and even between the schools, right? And, you know, when we were watching season three, I wanted to say, oh my God, just call the cop. Every single, I'm pretty sure it was like once an episode, I wanted to scream at all the characters and be like, call the cops. Just do it. Just call the cops. Your problems will be solved. Your problems will go away. Just call the cops. Let law enforcement do it. It's their job. But, okay, no mind you, back when I was a teenager and first learning martial arts, you know, I really thought I was at like the top of the world. My ego was really big. And I'm pretty sure if you've talked to any martial artist, they can have a really huge ego. Like, I kind of understand where you're going with because there is a certain stage where you are first learning a martial art. And I've gone through a couple before. I settled into Taekwondo. I mean, there's a stage when you're first learning a martial art that you really start to get develop the muscle memory and the understanding of what the martial art is trying to teach you as when it comes to fighting. And you actually get this little bit of a arrogant feeling that you suddenly think you can take on the whole world and that you are invincible. And it actually takes a little bit longer after that to learn that, no, you still have a lot to learn and you are not invincible to get over that point. And that kind of feels like where most of these kids are, right? And that's exactly what I was going to say. So at my school, we went from white belt, yellow belt, green, blue, green belt, blue belt, red belt, black belt, right? And by the time I ended high school, I was a red belt. So honestly, I thought I was like the best person ever, the best fighter ever. I thought I was better than all the other kids who went to my Taekwondo school. And I thought that I could beat any of them up in a fight. So yeah, absolutely. If if someone had picked a fight with me on the streets or if someone had picked a fight with me at school, my ego said I would have won hands down. <laughs> right? Now, mind you, this is my ego talking. And I think the show shows a lot about where these kids are. It's, it's not just talking about their egos. It is showing the ego 
of what a child has, of what a teenager has when they're learning martial arts and when they're feeling empowered by it. But I was out of Taekwondo for a while because I went to college and such. And so when I got back and I still had my same rank, I felt completely different as an adult with a red belt. You know, I had the same rank, I had the same knowledge, I had the same skill. I suddenly felt less empowered. I suddenly felt, you know what? There are people out there who could kick my butt. Yeah, the biggest thing that you really need to learn is as the martial art teaches you this empowering, the one thing that you don't really learn and you really can't learn this in the classroom setting is the muscle memory aspect that comes down to actually fighting. When you actually get into a real fight, all the training kind of gives you a base to work on, but you don't really have the same muscle memory or the same instinct, as it were, to actually be trying to put somebody down. Because there's a that little bit of a mental difference between knowing how to throw a punch and actually throwing a punch with vindiction to cause harm. And well, absolutely. I mean, even when I was a kid, like, I was one of the few girls in my Taekwondo studio. Uh, most of the students there were men. Most of the adults were men. Or most of the instructors were men, right? Most of the other students were, you know, teenage boys. And there were a lot of them who would tell me, okay, just imagine this person that you don't like and imagine you're just going to punch them in the face. And I'm like, why would I want to do that? So there is that bit of a difference where you're like, you know, you need to train. But I think the show Cobra Kai does a good job at showing these kids when they're doing some of their alone time training, like beating up the dummy. You really feel that they are practicing that. I'm not just beating up this dummy. I'm beating up these other kids and I want to go after them. And it actually shows in the different approaches the two dojos take. Miyagi-Do in Danny's mind is all about self-defense. He is not teaching them the real hard-hitting, sparring, actual contact martial arts. While Johnny's approach with Cobra Kai has always been, yeah, you actually hit each other. You take them to the ground. You finish these fights. I actually really like the differences that they show between the two schools because no two instructors are going to be the same. Like I've been at pretty much the same Taekwondo school since I've started and I've tried going to a a couple different schools. Just the instructors didn't really mesh well with me. You know, like in college, I tried to look for other schools and one was, oh, here, let's learn Kung Fu and you can learn how to fight with swords. I'm like, yeah, swords, they're awesome, right? And, you know, I take one of my guy friends with and we go to the school and the entire time the instructor's like ignoring me and looking at my guy friend you know even though the guy friend's like yeah she's the one who wants to join the school she's the one who's interested i'm just here to help support her the instructor completely ignores me and it talks to my guy friend's like so when do you want to join and he's like i don't (laughs) and i kind of knew that school wasn't for me right and i went to another school with also the same friend. It, it was a Shotokan karate, I think. And they like to talk about the philosophy of karate and I don't know, crap like that. And it was so obnoxious because I was a red belt in a different style at that point. You know, so I'm like, yeah, I have some martial arts training. And the same guy friend goes to the same school with me. We start the same night. And what happens? Oh, you get to learn how to do proper walking techniques. Now, don't mind me. I'm going to take your guy friend. And he's going to work with these other real students who've been at my school. And I'm like, seriously? (laughs) What the f***? 
people. Why? Sorry, mini rant aside. And boomeranging that back, that is really seen in Cobra Kai because the friends all initially looked to join Cobra Kai because they were tired of being bullied and they thought this was a way to stop it. You know, back in season one, when it was just Miguel and Johnny at Cobra Kai and the girl shows up because she's been bullied at school and she has just had it. This is Sam's friend, right? And Johnny's like, yeah, no, girls can't fight. Girls can't do this. And, you know, I have met people like that. And every single time, I want to just punch them in the face because, you know, that is some outdated beliefs. But the thing I like, and this is why I think Miguel is one of the good guys, is because he takes Johnny aside and he says, dude, girls can fight. Girls can do whatever we can do. Like, come on, catch it up. And I really appreciate that because it shows that the children... The newer generation of these martial artists have a different mindset than the adults. And it's shown throughout like the whole three seasons so far. And it's one of those things that I, I don't know, I really appreciate the more gender equality that they have with the students. The character I was going to talk about was Dimitri, who initially joined with it and realized that this hurt your students so they can learn the actual muscle memory of fighting wasn't for him and he initially drops out entirely yep. until he starts seeing how this is negatively impacting his friends and ultimately he goes and joins Miyagi-Do because one school didn't fit him and the other school did fit his mentality and personality of what he wanted to learn and how he wanted to learn and that's something I find interesting is that by having all these different characters and developing and fleshing out their motivations, you can really capture the differences in the schools in a very realistic way. And you can see why one school would draw in a certain crowd, while another school would draw in a different type of crowd. And Dimitri kind of becomes the clear fulcrum point that lets you understand why they keep coming to such conflicts. Oh, absolutely. It's really the differences between the two schools. That is another one of the things I really like about the show, too. Because when you're talking about just Johnny and Daniel, you can see that they're both trying to use what they have learned as being a martial arts student themselves and going through adolescence, being martial artists, getting in fights with bullies. And you can tell that they both have these really hard-defined philosophies and that shapes who they are as people. It shapes how they get along with the world. It shapes, you know, how they teach their students students. I don't know, you can see that just shaping a good chunk of the show. So the show is really shaped and defined by the characters. But the thing I have to say is that, you know, from being in martial arts, like I haven't experienced all types of schools, honestly. I really, I found one school I liked and I stuck with it. But I don't know, watching the two schools, it's fun in a fictional sense because you see Johnny and you're like, oh my God, this, if he really taught people this kind of martial arts in real life, like, I mean, I totally see the students at his school being like bullies to other students and whatnot, even though you think that Johnny himself is, I don't know, trying to do his best, right? But at the same time, I think if I were to go to a school like Miyagi-Do, I'd be like, oh my God, when can... <laughs> Can we get over the philosophy? Yes. Wax on. Wax off. Yay. Yay. Like I said, even at my school, there are different types, right? And you do have some instructors who are like, fight, fight, fight. And mostly they're young, right? Mostly you see like the kids at the school who are like, yeah, let's fight, fight, fight. That's the only reason why we're here. We're here to do the free fight and we're here to just wheel on our buddies, right? Yeah, but then you also have the instructors who are like, okay, and now here's the philosophy of Taekwondo, and here's the history, and here's who started our school, and here's how it all started. 
here's where it all began. And you just want to say, shut up. <laughs> I mean, I understand why you're trying to teach me, but seriously? So well, hopefully I, your uh, master that does that won't hear this podcast. Sh- then. No, I totally actually respect all my instructors. And even though sometimes I do get really bored, I know I'm not the best student. I don't practice as often as I should, but I do love and respect all of my instructors. And I understand where they're coming from and why they're teaching us stuff. Absolutely. So just there are times where I get really annoyed. <laughs> you can cut that. So we have retouched on your background in martial arts quite a bit. And talking about Cobra Kai, it's really good to kind of bring up a lot of these memories because it is predominantly a show about martial artists, specifically karate. Now, aside from the philosophy of how the difference in the training is, what is your thoughts on the way you see them practicing in the dojos versus what you see them actually doing when they're quote unquote free fighting each other in the schools or when Cobra Kai breaks into Danny's house to attack them. You know, I hadn't really thought about that much. And it's kind of interesting. And maybe if I, you know, watch the show a third time, I'll pay more attention to that. But if I were a student and if I were to go to, you know, say Cobra Kai and watch the students, it actually looks like they're doing more stuff. They're learning how to punch dummies. They have weapons on the walls. There's more students. They're standing in rows. And it feels like they're more organized. Whereas you go to Miyagi-Do and it's all like, freeform, let's do this. Let's practice yoga. And if I were a student picking one of those two schools, I would totally start with Cobra Kai. Because, (laughs) I mean, it looks like they're actually doing stuff. I would probably pick Cobra Kai too, to be honest. And the thing that gets me though, is when you see them in their practice episodes, they are using proper form. They're throwing their punches from their waist. They're engaging their hips. They are doing everything that you know increases power and increases effectiveness. But the moment that they start fighting each other, all of a sudden, all the punches become these wild haymakers swinging from the shoulder or they are doing these ineffectual kicks i do like the times though where i think when sam's trying to get back into karate she's doing one of her forms and it has like this drop sweep kick thing in it right and her dad makes some comment about how oh you know when you're doing that form just make sure because it leaves it wide open and it absolutely does and that is actually one thing i like one thing that danny does is that he does say when johnny's kid is first you know, learning. He's like, oh, yeah, make sure you do a proper punch because... Robbie. Yeah, that's like one of the very first things that I teach at my Taekwondo because if you can't do a proper punch, you're going to hurt yourself. And we don't want our students to hurt themselves because students hurt themselves. You got no students. (laughs) And that's where I think a lot of the problems with how the Cobra Kai teaching method is. When John Kreese, in one of his villain moves, goes out and recruits a bunch of athletes to quote-unquote strengthen his dojo, and he has a beat them till they are unable to fight trial elimination class those kids going home it takes just one of them you know parents go wait how did you get so bruised and bloody oh i went to try out at this dojo because a guy came by and asked me to do this and then he had his students beat the crap out of me that place is being shut down by the police that doesn't even require johnny or daniel to like stop it or have their rivalry those parents are bringing it down that place which is why the entire summation of season three 
three can be with call the cops. <laughs> Problem solved, even though that's not as fun. Okay. And that's really where I think they're going with the kids doing the fighting and the kids doing everything is because, I mean, like I said, you have your ego. You're a kid. You're on top of the world. You are invincible. You know, you are immortal, basically. That's why they solve the problem themselves. Even though I think somewhere they know, yeah, this isn't right. I mean, take Dimitri when he switches from Cobra Kai to the Miyagi-Do. He's like, yeah, that that's not quite right. And that's why I kind of like Dimitri as the fulcrum point between the two that kind of drives why they have that rivalry that they do. The other thing that I want to, you know, mention is I kind of like in season three, it continues with Johnny and Daniel's uh, story arc because you have in season one where Johnny starts up the dojo and Daniel's like, I have to start my own dojo, right? And then you have season two and their dojos are getting stronger and the kids are fighting against each other. And then you have season three and it's not just my dojo versus your dojo. They realize, holy crap, we're both in way over our head. We did not have this under control like our own egos told us that we did. I mean, Daniel totally had Johnny under control. Johnny totally had Crease under control. Like, totally under control, right? <laughs> they get to the end of season three and they're like, yeah, maybe it's less under control than we thought it was. And so I really like, you know, what's left of Cobra Kai or, you know, now what? Ego Fang School and Miyagi-Do. I really like how the two of them have to come together and it's like a difference of philosophies but i'm really curious to see where season four goes assuming there's going to be a season four to see how their differing philosophies different training methods are going to blend together because i really think if they found a nice happy medium between theirs they would totally kick cobra kai and crease's butt and with that do you think we should jump into our tldl absolutely too long didn't listen this is the part of our podcast where we give our overall thoughts on the topic of today's episode. So, Christina, your TLDL for Cobra Kai. My TLDL is that if you like any of the Karate Kid movies, watch it. If you don't like any of the Karate Kid movies, watch it. If you like martial arts, watch it. If you used to be a martial artist in, in high school or something and you kind of lost sight of it as you got to be an adult, watch it. Maybe you'll remember what you liked about it and want to do it again. Overall, I think your opinion is just to watch it for everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. Highly recommended. I agree. I think it is a great show. The best parts of the show is all the times you're looking at what Johnny or Danny doing and be like, no, don't do that. That's a bad idea. Stop it. That you are not a hero. You are not the good guy. And overall, it does show a fun drama. It has a good take on what kind of drives different people's motivations and sets up kind of a fantasy of how martial arts would be absolutely but overall it is a fun fantasy that is very enjoyable and i just want to add if you don't like martial arts or if you think martial arts are violent you know especially if you think martial artists are really violent people watch the show <laughs> yeah there's definitely those kind of people for you and with that christina final question i wanted to jump to this earlier but didn't quite get around to it cobra kai season four do you think they're going to be bringing in the next karate kid i hope so oh my god but hopefully like the next karate kid like the girl rather than when they did their reboot of the karate kid with jackie chan like i'm talking about the girl bring her in or bring back any girl who cares <laughs> well so christina if anybody wants to reach out to you following this episode where can they find you you can find me on facebook at under the moonlights llc 
And you can find us on Facebook at Streaming Thoughts and on Twitter at Streaming Geek. This has been Nathan. And this is Christina. Thank Thank you for for listening. listening.